Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. This episode is brought to you by Gilt. So when it comes to building wealth, taxes are such a big part of the strategy. And even if you're already filed, being proactive about this year to lower your future liability is so important. Gelt actually provides a proactive approach to tax strategy, combining innovative technology and expert CPAs by creating personalized tax strategies for your unique financial needs of multiple revenue streams, M&As, restricted stocks, various investments and more. You can keep your hard-earned money. Our, their proprietary platform ultimately gives you the full transparency of your tax management and direct communication with your CPA to reach your financial goals and grow for your wealth faster. So again, you know, if you're interested in this, go to joingelt.com. Uh, and they are actually on the show notes that I'm going to be posting a very special offer for you all that you can actually enjoy. So again, you know, join Gelt. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a really unbelievable guest. You know, we have an unbelievable guest that has been building his business for, listen to this, for over 30 years. You know, his company, you know, right now is worth over $3.6 billion. They went public. You know, absolutely remarkable journey, super inspiring building, scaling, financing. They've done multiple acquisitions on the buy side to be able to grow much quicker. And, uh, and again, you know, I think that this is, you know, the uh, an incredible, remarkable story that I find that, you know, it's going to be super inspiring as you're all, you know, building your own company. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Kishore Patel. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. Really excited to be here. So originally born in India, Kishore. So yeah. uh, a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? Yeah. So actually, I mean, I grew up in a small place uh, and uh, there was a limited education facilities there. So decided to move to a city. And uh, that's how I came to the city where I live, which is Pune in uh, India. And uh, that's that's when, the, you know, we, I was fortunate to be in a, a, a fortunate to be in a school which was basically uh, giving a lot of exposure uh, both in terms of leadership apart from the normal education and uh, that's that was a time when india was actually changing uh, which uh, i may say again a very fortunate to be at the right time as you may call and uh, as i was growing up there were some uh, more liberalization coming in india and uh, that helped, uh, you know, after I graduated, uh, became a chartered accountant uh, uh, and uh, that is CPA. And what got you? What got you into into accounting? Because, I mean, I know that in India, there's a lot of pressure, you know, to uh, to get the best education, best universities. And most people, you know, are either engineers or doctors. So I think that you're one of a kind there becoming an accountant. Yeah, that is true. I mean, that time it was not as uh, widely known or practiced as it is today. but uh, you know, as it happens that time, you have some friends who have the common interest and then you do, do follow what they do. And that's how I actually became a chartered accountant. And I may say that 
I had more interest in a lot of other activities uh, than the pure education. I thought I will get little more time than being a doctor or engineer. That was one of the time at that point of time. Yeah. Do you think that uh, perhaps uh, becoming an accountant and really having being grounded when it comes to numbers, you know, how helpful would you say that that has been to you as you've, you know, built, been building your company? I may say it is very interesting, but I may say actually, uh, naturally, uh, I'm, uh, what you get educated in that you have a right, right education. So I'm good with the numbers, but I really understood finance at the later part of my life. Yeah. Let me put I hear you. When, when you put it into practice, right? Like everything, you know, on the dogmatic side, you know, when, when you're like in theory, you get it, you know, but then when it comes to moment of action, then you get to really educate yourself. I, I, I totally get that. Now, in your case, you know, like everything started, you know, when, when you got, you know, um, started with the company, it was, you know, pretty much, you know, on the consulting side. So, uh, so tell us about, you know, now you become an accountant. And now you you enter the real world, the real world of um, becoming a professional. So how did things lead to the next, you know, to you, you know, essentially, you know, creating the company? K-P-I-T for the people listening. Yeah. So so it was a practicing charter accountant and uh, we wanted to build as a professional, right? If you don't have, uh, 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 you don't have funds, you don't have anything. else a background the best way is to become a professional and that's how we started and uh, join like-minded professionals but in some time you know sometimes being young you are blind and then you are very ambitious too so i wanted to do something which was very clearly global i mean somehow if you ask me very why uh, the reason is i just seen some very good successful global companies and uh, you know I like that, uh, the kind of organization they had built. So we wanted to become global. We wanted to become, uh, wanted to build a business of a scale. And uh, felt that time, uh, it was not probably the best uh, way uh, that I could uh, build a CA business of that scale we could do. So we looked at our choices and uh, uh, realized that uh, uh, not in India, and India, as you rightly said, everybody is an engineer or doctor, and uh, things are changing, but that's how it was. Uh, but uh, outside, uh, you know, in US or some other part, we could see some CPAs building uh, IT consulting business. So we thought uh, that is what when we could build a business and more importantly, service larger scale clients or global clients. That's that's what we thought. And uh, again, went to us school to some extent for some time, came back and started bit by bit. And now, how was that uh, process of, um, you know, putting the initial team together? So that was uh, very interesting, actually, as uh, it happens, uh, uh, you know, you go back to your school and you find out your some friends who are, who are in that field and get them together and start building uh, slowly. And uh, the key point was uh, having a good client. and. Uh, uh, we went back to our my CPA days, figured out a couple of clients who could uh, really use us, uh, um, uh, Indian, but we could use them. Uh, they, uh, we could be of service to them, uh, but good names. And then we started working with them. And uh, that actually uh, allowed us to really hire people and we start building. But one important part we did is uh, all our initial team was very capable, very well educated. They were very capable. And that's something we 
always kept, uh, you know, as a principle. So I guess for the people that are listening to to really get it, what ended up being the business model of the company? So obviously, you know, like there's been like uh, several iterations, you know, many, many years. I mean, obviously over 30 years of being in business. I'm sure that the adjustments to the market has been, you know, incredible, you know, throughout all the different cycles. But I guess how how would you say that that business model, the way that you guys were, have been and were monetizing, how has that changed over time and what is the business model of KPI, how that does translate into the final business model of KPIT today? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, see, you know, uh, to be honest, ideally, we would have liked it, liked it to be a product company, okay? But we realized very soon as we started doing it, it is not easy to be like that. Specifically from where we were together, we had to be very close to the large market. We need a lot of investment to be uh, in that market and uh, also uh, uh, you need an experience to be in that uh, product company uh, you know experience also to make that happen so we always went for a services business where what it means is you work with large clients and look at any business year on year growth as these clients grow and you engage with them in certain key areas and keep on growing your business. Uh, that uh, that was a business. Now, how you differentiate in that is basically uh, create uh, better domain knowledge of their business, build uh, uh, more accelerators, if I have to say, not a product, but accelerators which can really build the services quickly, build tools which uh, will uh, allow you to build a better uh, technology, bring productivity. So these are some of the things we did, and that's how uh, we kept on building. Now, the only difference is, uh, or initially when we started, it was a few hundred thousand dollars uh, per client, which is now almost a hundred million per client for many, some of our clients. So that's the, so scaling, going to the best of the client, keep on doing it over the period consistently. And uh, that, that, has, that has been the one part. The second part we did is initially uh, we were not really focused uh, in on a particular vertical. We were trying to get an arbitrage of uh, cost, if I may say initially, which was uh, with the Western world uh, and uh, in terms of uh, the cost which uh, by for which we could service. But we realized very soon that uh, that's not the game we want to play, and that's not what the, uh, that was not the only value proposition, and it may not for long term it may sustain. So we kept on focusing and we decided that our, basically the business model will be creating a leadership, though in a small segment, in a, even in a niche segment. So initially we were, I may say that uh, the first important decision when we took, uh, banking was our, uh, you know, uh, 40-50% of my clients were banking. But we realized that in the world, almost everybody had, the first focus uh, vertical as banking. So I thought clients will never give me, uh, I will never be the, uh, if I say the premium uh, partner for them in servicing. So we divested all that business and went to the manufacturing, which was relatively under service uh, business at that point of time. We, we did it for a long time. We built a business to about a half billion. And then at that point of time, again, we knew that uh, we, uh, we we really had been watching this and we were very passionate about automotive 
uh, as our leadership team. And we decided that automotive software is the really the place where it is going to be, um, if I have to say, there is going to be disruption. And uh, we believe that the disruption gives more opportunity for a leader to emerge, a new leader to emerge. And that's why we were really stating it for some time. And as soon as we thought that was the right time, we divested 70% of the business, which was non-automotive, just focus on 30% of the business. And, uh, uh, you know, so this is how we kept on changing the business. And uh, uh, so in spite of all the challenges the world had last three, four years, uh, uh, we could really uh, increase our business by four times, uh, higher profitability and almost 10 times of uh, value. So uh, the focus, uh, creating a focus, creating a leadership position, even though in a niche, uh, which we thought was our strategy evolved over. I mean, that's absolutely remarkable because, you know, divesting 70% of the business and just sticking with 30% and having, I mean, that's quite a bold move. Uh, and uh, you have, you need to have that level of conviction. So I guess, you know, one thing that resonates here a lot is the word focus. So what have you learned about focus when it comes to execution and, and building a business? So I think uh, uh, there were three, four things we, we believe. Uh, one is, uh, uh, it, it is whatever, I mean, I, I may say I was personally surprised or our team was surprised what a focus actually can bring to you. And uh, one of the things we always have seen that is, as we all know, there are so many startups who come up, right? And uh, with different business models. And you always believe all the big companies could have done the same thing. but the reason they cannot do it because that is the only thing where they do at the smaller companies. That is the focus. There's a leadership mindset. Every dollar they have, they spent on this uh, company. So, I mean, we know that in a theory, but it is very hard to do it at the point of time. But once we did that, I think uh, the key point we realize is uh, uh, the passion, for example. There was a clear, we have a vision statement or a mission statement, which is very clear, which is very, very clearly understood. It is not, uh, you know, it applies 50% to this, 70% to this, 20% to this. It was very clear. Uh, every com every person in the company knows our business very well. Uh, whether it is an HR person or it is a, a services uh, thing. Third thing is client relate to you very well because they know that we are a part of their business in the sense ecosystem. It is not a company. For example, we are into basically... Uh, uh, tech company uh, servicing, uh, you know, providing engineering um, premium services uh, to automotive industry. Uh, so for the disruption they are going through right uh, uh, right now currently. So they really understand that this is the company, they do only this, nothing else. So they feel much more confidence because their, uh, you know, their stakes are involved in this company. La uh, the other thing is the kind of relationship we can create. We're just focusing on 25 clients because if you look at the automotive and that to OEMs, there are only a handful of them, you know, of that uh, nature and this. So it was so easy to engage with those clients and bring that focus into that. Uh, it was uh, uh, unbelievably, I mean, if I had a 200 clients, it would, have, would never have been possible. But 25 clients, I know that I can build a business if, if I can build 100 million each, it will be 2 billion plus, right? And uh, I don't need to go anywhere they are spending. And uh, 
actually I can really bring a value to them. So I think uh, that was the last but not the least the talent. I think uh, I feel that uh, we could get much better talent because uh, the new people, even the, the, the new employees we could get, clearly knew what was our vision and they knew what they were going to work on. And uh, we actually tried to attract the employees who were aligned with our vision and the business. So that uh, really was very, very helpful in case of uh, this auto. So now, now that you're talking about, uh, I heard you say the word billion, right? Two billion. And um, you guys went public in 2005. And today the company, you know, is 3.6 billion. And uh, how many employees, Kishore? 12,000. I mean, did you ever think that, they, that you were going to build a company this big in 1990 when you got started? So naturally, uh, no, really. I think we never thought that. But as I said, we knew that we will build a global company. We did not know the scale. Uh, we were very uh, committed to make it uh, a, count, a company which will get counted even though it would have been in a niche. Now, fortunately, because we kept on continuing consistently and we kept on focusing, uh, the opportunity came to the scale. And we were, and last but not the least, we were at the right time when the automotive is, was going through the transformation. So being at the right time in history, nothing like that. Now, uh, going back to that, let's double click because, you know, you guys went public in 2005. Uh, and uh, and I heard you, you know, offline, you know, you, you told me that perhaps, you know, maybe it, would, uh, it was a little bit too early. So how was that experience of going public? Uh, and also, you know, talk to us about timing when taking your company public. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, naturally every entrepreneur want to go as late as possible in that. Uh, but, you know, while I said that, because now you look at our market cap right now and there, which was minuscule at that point of time. But the point was, uh, we needed funds that time. If we had to invest into going outside India, build our offices internationally, that was required. And uh, at that point of time, actually, I'll just take an example very quickly. And um, actually, that was uh, uh, 1998 when we went public, actually 1999, early part. So. What happened at that point of time is, as I said, at that time, we were working in banking and all other areas also. So what happened at that point of time is uh, uh, our largest client, uh, he got acquired by another client. And uh, that uh, we lost 40% of our business, 60% of profit uh, like this. But what happened is the money which we had raised and for the purpose for which we had raised, we were very committed to do that. So we invest had invested all the money just in that year. And we knew that we will uh, that money will suffice us over two, three years. But only in the marketing, uh, building a uh, presence outside India, the invest in the market and not into the real assets. If I had to say like campus, you can see behind me or that it was all building a strong client relationship. And in spite of, what the way it helped is that point of time, in spite of uh, losing 40% uh, of the revenue and 60% of the profit, at the end of the year, we could still grow by 25% because of we could leverage what we had invested. 
and uh, we could survive through the period which was very bad uh, 2000 2001 2002 was not the greatest time for uh, it industry uh, so to your answer to your question uh, what is the right time i think the right time i i would see if uh, you are in uh, you are raising money to invest i think then the right time is when you need the money and you cannot identify get the money uh if you are uh, going public to divest then of course you will try to do as late as possible hey guys this episode is brought to you by dot tech domain so i mean obviously if you're a startup or an entrepreneur you got to be super careful on how you go about your presence and how you get the catchy domain and that's why i recommend dot tech domains as the go to place to really get your own domain a uh, good example here is aurora.tech which is an innovative brand that has the .tech domain associated to it. Aurora.tech actually works at the intersection of rigorous engineering to address one of the most challenging issues of our generation, which is transforming the way that people and goods move. It is set to launch Horizon, which is Aurora's first autonomous service that's designed to bring safety value and efficiency to carriers and fleet owners. I've actually arranged an amazing deal for all of you and that is you can get your one-year domain for $10 or a five-year domain for $50. Just go to go.tech forward slash dealmakers. And that's, again, go.tech forward slash dealmakers to get your own. Now, for you guys, you know, you've gone through different cycles. I mean, you went through the dot-com bust. You went through Lehman Brothers. You've gone through COVID, through the macro environment that we're living in now. I mean... It's it's remarkable, no, like that you've had the opportunity to experience all of this. So, what have you learned about market cycles, and also how to keep up the focus and the execution going, and to avoid the destruction, and to 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 really be prepared for for that? I personally always think any of the diversity uh, is uh, an opportunity uh, to really reinvent uh, uh, the business, and uh, I may say that. Uh, uh it has been a uh, a big uh, if i had to say it has been uh, a big lesson in that sense uh, uh, uh every time we face adversity uh we have uh we as as i said we have a very good team and very passionate team about and they do believe in our long term vision once you have that i think every time we have bounced back to work more strongly uh we have actually uh in some way if i have to say we have cut on the resources which we were spending in the area which were not the most important every time you have that and really got the resources to focus on the right things and we have um most of the time we have reinvented ourselves in each of this adversity and uh, we became more efficient we became more focused in each of these thing uh, naturally i mean there is you have to take care of your financials you have to take care of your liquidity you have to really make sure that uh, you know you, you will remain liquid and profitable but the rest other i felt uh, was uh, very important and you also can make out who, who are the leaders who have uh, if i have to say metal uh, real metal and uh, they are really committed and uh, they can really prove themselves in the adverse uh, adverse uh, situation so let me say that 
um, each of the uh, uh, situation we went through in next two years were probably the most growth years for us uh, in the company. So whatever we could change, I mean, I always say the adversary gives you an opportunity to make decisions you would not ordinarily make and uh, get that acceptance uh, from the team as well as from the outside world. And once we could do that, uh, probably we have grown multiple times very fast in the next couple of years as we come out. And as you're talking about growth there, I know that you guys have um, used acquisitions, you know, as a way to grow inorganically. You know, I know that, you know, you started initially, you know, with uh, more acquisitions in the niche uh, because you didn't have the funds to really do big acquisitions. But you started with niche, you know, Mm -hmm. type of companies uh, acquiring them to grow. Uh, And and definitely acquisitions has been, you know, one of your guys' strategy to, um, to really grow faster. So how do you guys think about acquisitions? And most importantly, how have you thought about integrations? Because that's the critical part of an M&A. You know, obviously most acquisitions fail because of the integration. So how do you guys think about acquisitions and integrations for KPIT? Yeah. So uh, I think the first thing, uh, uh, we have never done acquisition just for the growth. Uh, We have always done the acquisition uh, where uh, uh, it was clearly uh, accelerating on the strategy. We have never done an acquisition just to add numbers or to this, that, just because uh, we could raise money or we had cash, so just acquire. So that was the first thing. Second thing, whenever we acquire any company, I always we always look at what is the 3x opportunity to grow. Now, whether it is on a client axis, and I will give you some examples, uh, uh, or whether it is on um, on offering or a technology which we could get, uh, which can build another 3x. So we actually look at two or three uh, um, access uh, where we can really uh, scale the business multiple the business. Uh, That is the reason because to your point, uh, not everything goes smooth after the acquisition. But even if one of the things goes well, at least we are in a position to uh, get back our money. Uh, And, uh, you know, and uh, generally, if you can get two right, then uh, it's very, very profitable. So I'll just talk about two, which as I would say landmark in our uh, uh, history of KPIT, is uh, we were you know, we formed, uh, we were a seven, eight million dollar company to your point. Uh, we were going through a very um, uh, outside organizations, which was uh, outside the world, which was uh, not growth friendly. And we all going through tough time after September 11, uh, dot com burst, uh, you know, uh, Y2K over. So all that time. And what we realize is we don't need too many clients we need just uh you know we were just seven eight million we knew that the companies invest hundreds of millions so we just needed 10 clients to really build uh, uh, to get to our hundred million first hundred million and at that point of time we thought what is that we can do and as i mentioned mentioned earlier we wanted to focus on manufacturing and this and we thought if we can look at one of these clients and really uh Take this as a um, as a foundation to build that vertical as a reference. That will be great. And that time uh, we were fortunate to find a very very, I would say, valuable and I would say still the path uh, breaking for KPIT was uh, the Cummins relationship. We we 
formed a joint venture with Cummins, actually their captive unit in India merged into KPIT. And that one part, uh, we thought will give us a stature to some extent because, uh, and the second thing is a build scale. And from 8 million to 100 million, we went in four years uh, during that time, which was the most difficult time. And it was a client axis, but more importantly, we built the technologies uh, and the domain, which was very relevant for a manufacturing entities and that we could leverage going to the other clients. So that is uh, one example, for example. The second is uh, when we were building uh, Europe, uh, was very, once we decided to focus on automotive, Europe was very uh, important market for us. And uh, uh, we were looking at those, uh, uh, you know, companies who are in the cutting edge of technology, because once you are on the cutting edge of technology, it's easy to naturally take those offerings to others. And then we acquired a small company, which was again, six, seven million after so many years at that time, we, that company was six, seven million. We acquired them and then um, uh, built a, a very, very 10 times uh, kind of a business uh, with the, you know, uh, company like BMW, which is, uh, you know, known for technological leadership. And uh, that uh, then we could uh, grow the client, but we could take it there. So it has been uh, uh, consciously uh, that. But to your question, uh, another question, second part of that, which is the integration. We believe that if it is very, very uh, uh, in line with your real strategy, and the second, more importantly, is your organization structure. If your organization structure is different and the company you acquire is different, it doesn't fit into the organization structure correctly, I think the integration is uh, very painful and most likely uh, not successful. Um, the third thing I feel is uh, you need to make a very quick choice whether you are going to lead the acquisition or the company you are acquiring has leaders who will lead uh, that business uh, along with your existing business there. So uh, people choice, uh, strategy choice, and organizational, I, I felt these three, I think, are the most important. So now I know that people are very important to you guys. You know, with all those 12,000 employees, you know, it's just incredible. You know, the way that you guys have thought about culture and, and really, as you said, you know, like people are really excited about the future that you guys are living into. Now, I know as well that uh, you've mentioned to me, you know, uh, previously uh, offline that uh, that you've had, you know, people in your leadership, you know, I mean, the norm is that they've been around for over 15 years. I mean, that's remarkable. So how have you guys, you know, been able to do that? You know, like what's in it, you know, in the culture or in the way that, you know, you guys go about team building, camaraderie, you know, all that, you know, coming together so that, you know, excitement for the future that you're living into Absolutely. that excitement that excitement to be present how do you guys go about that yeah. i think the key point uh, is uh, uh, there are two three parts of our, our culture one is uh, we involve people into everything what we do um, uh, the second part is the transparency what we create and the third is uh, what we share with them, right? Uh, if we are successful, what what we share with them. So I think uh, I mean I'll just take an example of last four or five years when I mentioned that uh, uh, you know we out we divested seventy percent of the business and rebuilt the business. Uh, naturally, there were concerns uh, in the mind of the people that we are a smaller company and we are focused on this and this. But 
we had involved him about uh, uh, about six months before the leadership team, you know, telling them this is how we are thinking, this is what we think. Uh, we believe that this will be the most exciting automotive is uh, in terms of technology, the business, it is going to be most exciting. Autonomous electrification will drive the, this larger purpose, right? cleaner, smarter, safer world. Uh, you know, and if you connect with that, I think uh, that's uh, something you can contribute. And especially if you become the leader in the, your space, then that becomes a, something you have contributed. Uh, we had taken the buy-in of the people. We were very clear in saying that uh, we will have less funds. So we will, uh, for example, uh, you know, we will all demonstrate we'll have to cut on costs. So the kind of hotels I used to stay, I went two step down and I had to demonstrate that personally and all that. I think actually I feel many times this creates more excitement because you are doing something different for a purpose. and. Uh, we went as a startup after building this business for a long time as almost like uh, we did like a startup vision, mission, how, what we will do and more importantly, what we will not do and then the how we will do it. And um, uh, then we decided that what are the things we need to unlearn from the past? What are the mistakes we made? Again, very transparent. These are the mistakes we made. What we, we will not make at least those mistakes. And more importantly, we identified 300 people in the company and uh, we invested into going through really what are the key tenets of our culture of the new company, what we will do, and how we will actually put it in the practice and how it will be integrated with our actual operations of the company and uh, how we will demonstrate it. I think these are the things which really helped us uh, in building that. And uh, last but not least, of course, uh, uh, the kind of uh, ESOPs, uh, stock option plans we could uh, give to them. Uh, I mean, we could never offer them anything uh, specifically what the prices will be, but I'm very happy uh, that uh, we could build a, a lot of wealth for our employees. And I'm sure that vision, you know, was a big component there. And, you know, talking about vision, imagine you go to sleep tonight mm. and you wake up in a world where the vision of KPIT is fully realized. What does that world look like? I think uh, uh, we are really looking at, uh, as a company, I mean, like many companies who have uh, done, but we are really committed to sustainability. We are really looking at uh, zero emission uh, kind of a business uh, for us, but more importantly, contribute to our clients. But we are not we don't want to keep it only in the business uh, like that because I don't think there, are, there can be two personalities. What we are intending to do is how we can change it for our clients because, as I said, electrifications, um, you know, uh, autonomous safety and all that. Uh, we want to do it for our business, how we operate the business. And last but not the least, for all my employees and uh, colleagues who are really living that in their day-to-day -day life, how they can improve on that. I think bring that conscious world which we want to live uh, for the next generation, which is much more livable. And uh, that will mean a lot. And I think that's what uh, we think uh, is uh, something which gives us extra edge uh, when we work. And uh, actually, 93% of the people employees believe that they relate with the vision mission very closely and they think it is very valuable for them. 
So the, the last question that I want to ask you today, Kishore, is, you know, we were just talking about the future here with the vision, but I want to talk about the past, but doing, doing it with a lens of reflection. So imagine if I was to put you into a time machine and I bring mm. you back in time, I bring you back mm. in time to 1990 when you were, you know, getting now, figuring things out, obviously executing without mm -hmm. strategy, all of that craziness. And uh, you're able to sit down your younger self, that younger Kishore. And you're able to tell that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now, 33 years later? Yeah, that's a very tough question. I, uh, I mean, in some, one way, I would say that I would like to relive it because that's what made it very special. Because if it was very easy. But I, I may say, if I really look back, and that's the one question I answer to you is um, i think um, uh, two three things are, two things are very important in my view uh, is uh, uh, we always worked on vision we always recognition we always looked at growth i may say that having a superior uh, uh, profitability and uh, liquidity uh, uh, in the business uh, is extremely important and it is not an outcome it is how you think Uh, because if you think about it, uh, uh, you will change the business model to make it happen. And uh, I mean, the, uh, I, I actually think if you would have done that, uh, we would have been maybe two or three times of the business, which we would have been, uh, we are here today. Uh, so it's not a very exciting answer, but I, I realize the value of money and uh, Profitability. Even though I'm a chartered accountant, a little late in life, that's what I answered to you. That's amazing. So, for the people that are listening, Kishore, that would like to reach out and say hi or get to learn more about KPIT, what is the best way for them to do so? So, you can reach out uh, to LinkedIn, or you can reach out to uh, my email, uh, which uh, which is there on the this uh, Kishore dot uh, at KPIT .com. Amazing. Easy enough. Well, Kishore, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts, or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.